Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see all of you here this morning. I want you to think back with me to a moment, to a moment when you lived in your first house. Maybe it was you're a kid and you remember the first house you grew up in. Or if you're an adult like me, I want you to think back to the first house you owned. In 1996, Britton and I bought our first house. It was a 960 square foot bungalow that was built in the 1950s and it had its quirks. We loved this house because it was all ours, but it had some certain characteristics which were kind of unique. The, the, it was hot water heating, so it had a boiler in the basement and the pipes would rattle when they were warming up in the morning and that would usually wake me up in the morning because we had one of those thermostats that came on at certain times and so bang, 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 bang would be how I woke up in the morning. In the winter time, we found that the front door wouldn't really open, right? And if you got it open, then you couldn't get it closed. So we just put a sign on the front door saying, please go around to the back. We also found that my son's door to his bedroom actually stuck and it was, would never close. It was always about a half an inch open the whole time that we lived there. It had these little things about it that we just kind of got used to in life. And then in 19, or sorry, 2003, we decided to move. We decided to leave this house that we loved and move to another house. And we were told that before we could sell this house, that we had to fix a problem in the basement. We didn't have any problems in the basement. What is he talking about? This guy who came to evaluate the price on our home. And what we discovered is that above the, the washing machine and dryer, there was a horizontal crack in the foundation of our house. And so we had to pay a few thousand dollars to get this crack fixed. And what we found in the time that we lived in that house after that is that all those quirky little problems that we thought were just normal were actually resolved. Have you ever experienced something like that? You know, as I think about it, sometimes we live life in the same way that we lived in that house. You see, sometimes in life we patch over the cracks in our life, never thinking about where the cracks come from. In this house that we had that had these quirks, there was a, a crack that would, actually there was two cracks that would grow over top of the doorway into our living room. And every 12 months, I would get out my spackle and my knife that I would use to patch it up. I would get out my sanding paper, I would get out the paint, and I would make those cracks magically go away. 12 months later, I would be doing it again because those cracks would come back to the surface and the cracks were actually a symptom of something going on in our basement, in our foundation. And too often we live life like that, patching the cracks and never considering what's causing the problems, the sticky doors or the cracks in the wall or whatever it may be. And today I wanna to invite you to look at the foundations of your life and to consider not just the symptoms, but actually the root cause of what may cause some problems in your life today. We're wrapping up our series called Brand New, and throughout this whole series, we've been talking about a brand new way of living, something that Jesus invites us to do. He's been teaching his disciples, he's been teaching a crowd of people who have come from all over the region to hear what he has to say, people who are desperate for something different. And today, as we wrap up, he's gonna tell us a parable that maybe you've heard before, but I want you to consider it in a brand new way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter six. This is the last time we're gonna be in Luke chapter six, and we're gonna look at verses 46 to 49. 
Listen to it as I read it, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, Jesus says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> Remind me of some parents in the room. Ever say that to your kids? <laughs> why do you call me dad, dad, and never do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So as we've been going through this series, I've talked to you about how we need to read our passages both vertically and horizontally. Vertically, understanding what's going on before and after that, but also horizontally, looking for the situations where this is repeated in some of the other Gospels. And we want to do that today. In fact, as we look at this parable, there's three questions we want to really consider about this parable that we are probably familiar with today. The first is why. Why does Jesus tell this parable? A parable is a story with a meaning, a deeper meaning, that he is revealing a truth about what's going on in the lives of those that are listening. And so why is Jesus telling this specific parable? That's the first question. The second is, what? What does Jesus want us to know? What does he want us to understand about ourselves or about the kingdom of God? And the last one is how. How does Jesus want his audience, the people that were there that day, to respond? But how does he want us to respond as well? But there's one other group of people that we often don't think about, and those are the original readers of this. You see, this book that we call Luke was written by a man named Luke for a friend of his named Theophilus. And how does Luke want Theophilus to understand what Jesus is saying here? And that's what we're going to discover today. That's what we're going to consider today, these three questions, why, what, and how. Well, why does Jesus tell this parable, this specific one? Why doesn't he use some other parable to illustrate his point? Well, this parable is inc incredibly accessible to the people that are reading it in Luke's day, but also hearing it in Jesus' day. You know, for us today, we don't usually build our own house, right? We usually pay somebody else to build our houses, or we just buy used houses, and then we spend the rest of our life renovating them, right? Can I get an amen on that one, right? <laughs> That's right, that's how I feel. We often, we don't know about building houses, or maybe there's a few of us that might know that in this room, but the rest of us, we don't really understand what it means to build a house. But in Jesus' day, this was common practice. You know, you got married, you built your own house. Everybody in the first century built their own house. In fact, in some parts of the world, there are people that still build their own houses, and that they continue to do this to this very day. For us, we don't have that, there's that disconnect. But for Jesus' audience, they understood this. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if as Jesus is telling this story about someone who built without a foundation, that there might have been a chuckle in the crowd. Because everybody would have known that's not how you build a house if it's going to last. And so Jesus uses a truth from the lives of the people he's talking with to help them illustrate what's going on in their life. Jesus says this parable because he's noticed a problem. He begins this passage and Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? You see, Jesus is surrounded by his 12 disciples who Luke refers to as apostles. He actually uses the term disciple in the book of Luke to refer to anybody who has chosen to follow Jesus. 
In other words, you and me, as well as the 12 apostles. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he's also speaking to the crowd, people who are just kind of kicking the tires of faith. And he says, you know what? You call me Lord, Lord, which is a sign of respect and allegiance. You, it's, it's often we talk about Lord being the word sir, but in this circumstances, a Jewish audience, when they called someone Lord, this was a declaration of allegiance, saying, I will follow you. You are my master. And Jesus looks at this crowd and he hears them calling him Lord, Lord, but he also sees that this crowd is not doing what he says. That everything that he's just finished teaching about the different kind of love that he taught, about a different way of looking at Sabbath, about a different way of judging the world and the people around us, about a different way of evaluating the priorities in our life, the possessions that we have. He looks at his disciples who he's just taught all these great things to and he realizes they're not doing what he taught. They're pledging allegiance but not actually doing what he says. And you see, Jesus notices a crack that's a symptom of something deeper. And this is why Jesus uses this parable to help illustrate the problem. So what is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is saying we need to change the way that our lives are built. You see, there's an incredible truth, is that every life is built upon a foundation. Your life, my life, is built upon something. It's a foundation. We start building this foundation from the moment we're conceived. Even before we're born, you see, our DNA starts to shape the foundation of our life. Things that are passed down from us, from previous generations begin to shape our life. When we're born, our family of origin begins to shape our life. I was talking with a, a friend of mine recently and, and they have chosen to grow their family by adopting kids. They've decided not to have their own or conceive their own kids, but to adopt kids into their life. And he was telling me, he says, it's amazing how these kids who they adopted, not as toddlers, but actually as primary school children, how these kids are incredibly, you know, stubborn. How they are contrarians in every way. And he said to me, he goes, and then my wife and I realized they're just like us. <laughs> and so it wasn't a matter that this was nature, this was in their DNA. It's a matter that their family of origin, who they weren't born into but had lived in for a number of years, actually began to shape them, form the foundation of these kids' lives so that even though they didn't share DNA, they were incredibly like their parents. And it's the same for us. Our DNA shapes us, forms a foundation. Our family of origins shapes us. Our teachers shape us. Our friends, if you are in school or you are a teenager, you need to choose your friends wisely because your friends will determine your future if you're not careful. They help to shape who you are. That's your friends and that's the power of friendship. It's a beautiful thing. It's a dangerous thing at the same time. Also, the hurts in our life. Abuses in our life. This all forms a foundation to shape who you are today. And Jesus says to the crowd that is there that day and to us today that you have a foundation in your life. What's it built upon? 
And Jesus, as he's speaking to this crowd, he realizes that their foundation is all wrong, that he's been teaching them all about the kingdom of God. He's been teaching them about how to live differently, what we call the Jesus way of living. But the problem is, is that they're trying to build upon a shoddy foundation. You see, Jesus has been teaching them a new way of living, but they have a foundation that they have built their life on, from their DNA to their family of origin, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, religious people who are pursuing God have taught them, this is what it means to pursue God. And Jesus comes along, and he says, actually, this is what it looks like. And Jesus says, you need to change your foundation. It's not a matter of building the Jesus way on top of the religious foundation that you've had your whole life. It's about having a whole new foundation. You know, sometimes in life, we go from foundation to foundation. We recognize the cracks in the wall, and the problem is the foundation, and we start to build new foundations in our life. But they never satisfy. It's kind of like this. In 2007, my wife and I went to Malawi, Africa, We went there to visit an HIV AIDS clinic that the church I was with at the time was working with. And I met this man, his name is Chris Brooks. I met him when he was 72 years old. He's been living in Malawi, Africa with his wife and his daughter for the last 14 years when I had met him. He had been a successful doctor in Calgary with a practice in Calgary and a practice in Banff, a house in Calgary, a house in Banff, a beautiful sports car convertible, all of the good marks of our life. And then one day he woke up and he realized the foundation of his life was broken. And he decided to change the foundation of his life. And he moved to Malawi, Africa, where there's a population of 11 million people. At the time that I visited, there was a million orphans in that country orphaned because of HIV AIDS. There was a 28% infection rate. And Chris, my friend Chris, decided to move there and from the back of his pickup truck, he would drive out to a remote village called Nagotsi and he would begin to care for the people there. And when I had arrived there in, in uh, 2007, after 14 years of him living there and working there and trying to make a difference, the infection rate in that little town of Negozi had gone from 28 to 14%. Why did he make a move like that? Because he decided that the foundation he'd built his life upon, which was, by all accounts, a great life, seriously. He said, this isn't the Jesus way, and I need a new foundation, and he moved his whole family across the world to live in this village, Negozi. Britton and I went over to Negozi, and we, while we were there, we were building houses houses to house the clinic staff because after all of these years he'd been able to form a hospital there and had hired staff and we were building houses for the staff that were there. And I remember driving from the airport to Negozi and watching just excitedly because this was my first time in Africa looking out the window at what was going by on the road at the people and how things were going, the different culture that was there. And I remember seeing this cluster of houses, three houses together in various states of disrepair. And I remember asking the guide, I said, what's with those three houses? And he said, I said, is that a, a group of a family, a, a large family living in all those houses? He said, no, that's one family living in one of those houses. He said, what happened, Kirk, is that the family built their house with a poor foundation. And the rainy season came and the storm came and the house started to fall apart. And so they began to build a second house 
And when that house was done, they moved into the second house, but it had the same problem, a poor foundation. And when the rains came and the winds came and the house started to fall apart, they started to build a third house. And when that was done, they moved into this third house. And as I was watching, I discovered and I saw that there was actually a fourth house being built because the third house had the same problem as the second as the first. And sometimes in life, this is what we do. We build on foundation after foundation after foundation and not even realizing that we're just repeating the same problem over and over and over again and what we need is a new foundation. That's what Jesus is teaching to these people who are so desperate they've come from Tyre and Sidon and all over Judea and Galilee to see him and to hear what he has to say. He says you need a new foundation. That you cannot build the Jesus way of living on top of the foundation that you've grown up in. You need something new. Jesus asks the question of the crowd and us today, what type of builder are you? Do you know what the difference is between the first and the second builder in this parable? Do you know what the difference is? Excavation. The first builder digs down deep, it says, excavates the foundation for their house. The other one doesn't excavate at all. If they were building today, we would call them building slab on grade, right? You know, slab on grade. This is how we build Walmarts. This is how we build restaurants. We just throw down some concrete. Maybe there's some piles underneath it. Maybe there isn't, and it's just right there on the ground. And then we build up, and we hope that it lasts. Or actually with commercial buildings, which use slab on grade, there's only an expectation that they're going to last for 20 years. There's no expectation that they're going to last a long time. You see, if you want something to last a long time, you have to excavate. I lived in Calgary for a number of years, and while I was there, they were building a tower called the Bow. Have you ever seen a skyscraper been built, being built? They were building the Bow Tower, so which if you ever go to Calgary and you look, this is a tower that dwarfs everything else in the city now. It's wider, it's bigger, it's taller than everything else. And the hole that they dug was incredibly deep. It was huge. And you know what, there's a principle of building skyscrapers. If you wanna go high, you have to go deep. And it's the same in our life. If you wanna go high, you have to go deep. You have to excavate into the deep recesses of your soul and discover what's in there that you may be building your life upon that is not Jesus. But that takes work. You know, I watched the bow tower being built. And you know what? We lived there and it was like, man, are they ever going to start going up? They just keep going down and down and down. And they spent an inordinate amount of time in this hole. And then all of a sudden, boom, this tower shot up out of the hole. And in the time that they had taken in that hole was way longer than it took to actually put up the superstructure of this building. And we need to do the deep work of our souls to see where the Jesus way of living is being built on something that isn't Jesus himself. That's what his followers were doing. That's what the early disciples were doing. They were trying to build their way of living on being good Jews, on the foundations of Judaism. And Jesus says you need a new foundation. 
that my way of living is not compatible with Judaism. You need to give up the ways of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, everything that they have taught you, and embrace something completely different that is countercultural to what your neighbors are doing, that is countercultural to what you see the Romans doing, that is countercultural to everything in your life. That's what Jesus invites his disciples to do. In fact, you know, both Matthew and Luke, they put this encounter that Jesus has and this very parable right before another story in, the, in their gospels. It's the same story. It's the faith of the centurion, it's called. And what it is, is that Jesus finishes all this teaching, really the corpus, the, the core of his teaching, of his gospel in Luke is found in Luke chapter five and chapter six. In Matthew, it's found in Matthew chapter five to chapter eight. And immediately following that, what we see is the faith of the centurion. And Jesus says this, he says that the centurion who comes to him because one of his servants is sick, he says this man, this Gentile, this Roman, this enemy of everybody there that day has more faith than anybody else in all of Israel. And Jesus is making this incredible contrast. As he says, you know what, in Luke's, in Luke's gospel, what we find is right before the teaching, what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, that what's right before that? Jesus is being questioned by Pharisees and Sadducees who don't like the way he's living. And then he gives the core of his teaching, his gospel, and he follows that with a Gentile who has more faith even than the most religious people in all of Israel. You see, it's not about the religion, the church, or the, the, the pastor who taught you. It's the foundation that forms you, that makes the difference and determines who's a real Jesus follower. And the Roman Gentile, who the Pharisees and probably most of the people in that crowd that day would have looked down on, was more a Jesus follower than some of the people who were actually following Jesus around because he had formed and started to form his life around the teachings and the ways of Jesus. And this is the same choice that we have to make. What will we build our life upon? Too often we try to build our life upon what the world says or we build our life upon a foundation that in some ways tries to synchronize itself with the rest of the world or be culturally sensitive of the rest of the world. This is why we have some problems in our church in North America today, is because we have been too close to culture and tried to follow that too closely instead of following Jesus. You know, I was talking with a friend this week after the revelation in Merivale happened and after Kamloops and everything like that. And my friend said to me, Kirk, there had to have been some people there that were Jesus-loving people in those residential schools, don't you think? I said, I don't know. Here's what I know, is that the church tried to be too much like the culture. And the church began to look on a group of people and say, you don't look like us, so you may not be as good at us. And so we're going to change you and transform you into who we are instead of who God created you to be. And this is the story of residential schools, is that Euro-Canadian settlers like you and me forgot what Jesus said about people, forgot the truth 
that indigenous people, just as much as your Canadian people, are created in the image of God and bear the image of God and Jesus died for them. Instead, they said, you need to be like us. And that's the problem when we begin to build on a foundation that is not Jesus Christ. We end up doing things that the next generation looks on and says, how could we ever do that? And you know what? This generation, my generation, we need to be careful because we need to examine what we're building our faith on. Because there's still, there may not be residential schools today, but there still is systemic racism in the church. And we need to look and see what we're building our foundations on in that area, but actually everything in our life, in our finances, in our marriages, in our friendships, in the way that we do our work. We need to make sure that our foundation is Jesus and not the rest of the world. Not Jesus and something else, Jesus only. And Jesus says to the crowd and he says to us, what type of builder are you? Are you the builder that's willing to dig down deep into the recesses of your soul and discover what your life is truly based upon? Or are you just gonna stay at the surface level? And you know, let me speak to the guys in the room for just a second. Because guys, we are really good at staying surface level. <laughs> we, we make a profession at that. We don't go deep unless someone really forces us, unless our wives force us to. And even then, it's still pretty shallow. And guys, we need to go deep into our soul and explore what it is that we're building our lives upon. Is it on success? Is it on power? Is it on something other than Jesus? We need to do the deep work of the soul because I'll tell you, the ladies in my life, the ladies that I know, they are quick and they go deep and they find this great rock and we just don't. Now that's a generalization and I know there's some guys that are going deep and doing that, but I just want everybody, male or female, whoever you are, to do the deep work of the soul and discover the foundation that your life is built on. And if it isn't Jesus, and you say that you are a follower of Jesus, then you need to change the foundation. Here's the thing. It's not about repairing the foundation. Okay? You know, I told the story at the beginning, and you could think, well, we just have to fix the foundation of our life. No, 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 no. It's about excavating, breaking down the foundation, and building something completely new on Jesus. You see, our foundation that we've built our life on to this point is fundamentally and completely broken. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and I heard a scholar recently talking about that verse and saying, you know this verse lost, we think of somebody just walking around aimlessly. That's lost, right? And he said, no, we should be translating this a little differently, as broken beyond repair. And that's what our foundation is. And we need something new today. Jesus says we need to build upon him as our foundation because when the storms come, when the torrent comes, he says, the house that is built upon him will stand while the other one is completely and utterly destroyed. Do you notice something there? Jesus doesn't say if the storms come. He says when. You see, both builders, they build very differently. One builds slab on grade, the other goes deep so he can go high. But both can be assured of one thing. Both will face storms in life. 
It's not if the storm will hit you. It's if your house will stand when the storm hits you. And the only assurance is when you build your foundation on Jesus that then you will stand. Too often we build on something that isn't Jesus. You know, in, in uh, 2006, my house that we lived in, the one we sold to move into a new house, had a flood. Have you ever had a flood? <laughs> it's devastating. The basement was filled. What happened was that the sewer in our community got clogged by poplar trees. And our house just happened to be at the lower point of the grade on the hill that we lived on. We were at the top of a hill, but the lowest part of the grade before it went downhill. And the trees stopped it right in front of our house. And everybody's sewer from up the street came into my basement. Six months to recover. $20,000 worth of repairs, $10,000 worth of stuff that we lost and all of that. But finally, we're back to normal. Two years later, same thing happens again. My basement, I remember scrambling, going downstairs, trying to re rescue all of these things that were precious to me. <laughs> and I remember saying to God, why? Why are you doing this to me again? And then something changed in me. And I began to sing. And it's probably a song you know. It's a song we don't sing much anymore. It's blessed be the name of the Lord who gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And you see, when our foundation is built on something other than Jesus, we stop at why. Why God? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? But when our foundation is built on Jesus, we can actually change our responses and it turns into worship in the midst of why. A couple years ago, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And my wife, she said, if she was here today, she's not here today, but if she was here, she would tell you this for herself. She said, everyone who's diagnosed with cancer or has to go through a life-changing surgery like she had to go through should have to go through soul care first. She said, because I had done the deep work of the soul when I received that diagnosis of cancer, when I found out I had to go in for this surgery, that actually my faith didn't falter. And even though I still wanted to know why, I was okay. And I remember telling my friend Rob this, who wrote the book Soul Care, and he just, he said, you know what, he, he wished that Britain would just go around telling people that. You see, soul care allows us to do the deep work of the soul, to excavate the foundation of our life, to see what really matters and what we're building our life on, so that when the storms come, whether they be cancer or whether they be a flood in your basement, that you can stand. And that's why it's so important for us to actually do the deep work of the soul, to excavate what's going on in our lives and actually begin to embrace the brand new way of living by building a brand new foundation. So what do you and I need to do today in response to all this? Well, when we started this series, I introduced you to the learning circle. Well, the learning circle is just a great way of exploring what's going on in your life and processing the hurts and the highs and the lows, processing the experiences that you've gone through. And if you will work through the learning circle, that you would actually discover what the foundation of your life is 
I've done this, I've worked through this, and I've found portions of my life where I have built on a foundation that isn't Jesus, and I've needed to rip it apart so that I can build on Jesus instead of what I had. And maybe today it's time to go back and discover this, or here's an even better one, go to Jeremy, because he reworked this and he's got a great tool that I'm sure he would share, maybe he won't, I don't know, maybe it's proprietary, no, I don't know, no. <laughs> but he, he reworked this and gave some great questions to go along with it and talk with him and begin to process what's going on in your life and determine what the foundation is in your life. You know what, COVID has unearthed a whole lot of problems, right? It's unearthed a whole lot of cracks in the walls of our life, and instead of just repairing those cracks, go and find out what the problem is in the foundation. The residential school has unearthed a whole lot of problems in our society that are continuing to this very day. This isn't a past thing, this is a current thing. And we need to go deep as churches, as Christ followers, and see what the foundational problems are that allowed something like that to happen so that it doesn't happen again. Process what's going on in your heart and in your mind. Engage with soul care. You're familiar with that. You know what that's about. Maybe you've heard about it, but you haven't processed it, or maybe it's been a few years since you actually picked up the book or talked with someone about the principles of soul care, and maybe today it's time to begin to process that again and to do the deep work of the soul again. Because, you know what, our souls, they tend to decay unless we keep maintaining them and working on them. And we need to continue to come back and process what's going on so that we can be sure that our foundation is still Jesus and not something else. Jesus invites us to build a foundation of our life on him instead of something else. The good news is that we can choose to do this today we can choose to live a brand new way. Will you do this? Jesus is inviting you to live differently today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this teaching and for really these last two chapters in Luke and the life that you've shown us. And I pray that you would give us the courage today, the willpower today, the desire to actually go deep and to form the foundations of our life around you instead of the other things in our life that we've built on previously. Oh Jesus, lead us forward and may we become the people you envision. In your name we pray, amen.